Well, fans, welcome back to uh, Systematically Wild. Last season, Kevin and I were this week in Heartlanders Hockey, but this week we're this year we're changing around here, talking about what's going on throughout the Minnesota Wild system, focusing primarily on the Iowa Wild and the Iowa Heartlanders down here in Iowa where I live. So uh, that will be the focus of the show each week, but we'll also talk a little bit about what's going on with the big club and things that are going on around the organization to talk about for this upcoming season and to take us through us all the way to hopefully to the Stanley Cup Finals, where we hope the Minnesota Wild will appear this year. So Kevin Luco joining me again this season. I'll have guests that come along as the season goes along, too, from opposing clubs as well as from the two teams to talk a little bit about their thoughts on the season as it's going along. But, Kevin, you've already had a chance to see the two clubs that have been in action so far, and so I know you're excited about hockey returning back this year and and got to be excited that you made a, a bit of a trip to come down to Des Moines to watch the Wild play and got to see the Minnesota Wild play. So far, uh, a few games into the season for these clubs, and, and what's your thoughts so far just kind of early on? Boy, I wish I had better news, but, boy, the big club has me doubting whether some of the right moves are made during the off season when it were made when it comes to goaltending as the uh, Wild in their first two games have surrendered seven goals in each game and as we're recording this they have they are down four to two to Colorado and a couple of goals t- tonight have been shaky but also the D zone coverage has been off. They've been a little better tonight against Colorado but just some um, Blown assignments, um, not finishing off checks. Just there's a lot of mistakes so far early in the season. It's I guess the bright side is is that it is early and mistakes are correctable. But right now it's been a rough start for the parent club. Um, Iowa, I thought they um, they're seem to be a pretty young club. It's going to be. Interesting to see where the scoring is going to come from this year as you have Marco Rossi is up at the big club and there's not a Jerry Mayhew-like guy in the offense down there that, you know, will be down there most of the season. So it'll be interesting to see where the scoring comes. There's a lot of influx of a lot of young players in the lineup and we'll see if one of those guys can step up and um, become a become a prospect because you got guys like uh, Sam Hanches was a late draft pick. It's his first taste of pro hockey. Sammy Walker was signed as a free agent. He had the game-tying goal on Friday night. Um, he was uh, drafted by Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay chose not to sign him, and Minnesota took a flyer on him. So, so we will see um, what kind of identity the Iowa Wild get. Um, Yes, Ravalstedt made his professional debut on Friday. He looked um, shaky in the first period, but was much better as the game went on. Iowa was down 3 nothing at one time, came back, managed to tie the game late in the third period, and lost a seven-round shootout. But it was um, encouraging to see them come back. Then Saturday night, they dropped a 3-1 decision to the Barracuda. But... You know, um, not a bad start for the Iowa Wild, and we'll see what happens with the Heartlanders as they open up their season this weekend. Kevin, let's let's 
talk a little bit about the big club. Let's, let's, let's begin here. So first of all, acquisitions and, and moves that were made during the offseason, they gave up a, a premium goal scorer that they had from last season to, to work with salary cap issues. So let's talk about losses that they've had uh, in, in roster moves here and how you see that impacting the team this season. Well, obviously the big loss was having to move Kevin Fiala due to salary cap restraints. Um, he had 30-plus goals last year, and the big question there is who's going to step up to be the guy that's going to provide the scoring. Well, so far we've seen um, a pretty balanced scoring attack, Matt Boldy. Seems to be the real deal and has been off to a good start, but I think um, if this team stops um, producing goals, um, having the the Fiala trade is going to be on a lot of people's minds. Um, the decor has stayed relatively the same from last year, and and the goaltending, I believe, was also the a big move as they chose to keep Mark Andre Fleury at 38 years old and move Cam Talbot. So they're taking a flyer that um, Fleury will still be able to produce at at the age of I believe he's 37 or 38. And uh, Gustafson goalie they've got from Ottawa in the Talbot trade is pretty unproven. So. So I think that um, Bill Guerin will be judged quite a bit on how the production from the goalies are this year. Gus has sent an interesting acquisition, Kevin. Uh, 3.16 goals against average in 28 games with Ottawa in his career. It's, it's kind of hard to gauge how good he may be because Ottawa has been terrible in his time with the clubs. But, you know, 3.16 uh, GAA is is not looked upon as great, but when you're not getting much defense for the Senators, you got to feel like he he might have some skill set if you know he had a little bit better defensive group around him. But when you look at it for Minnesota, though, the defense, the analytics for the defense say that the Wild defense has really not been that good in the last year, um, and the goaltending itself wasn't that good with Talbot, Kakinen, and Flurry coming on later in the year, but I don't know if the current wild blue line is as good as it used to be. We saw a big step up last year for uh, Kaprizov. Do you see him having an either an even better year in his third year in the league? I believe he will, as long as he doesn't put too much pressure on himself to try to pick up the void left by Kevin Fiala moving on, but I think as long as, a, long as he's Matt, Matt Zuccarello stays healthy and can dish him the puck on on a regular basis, and if they can find somebody in the middle that can be a good two-way center, I think he'll duplicate his numbers, but I mean, that's a big if at the center spot right now because it, after two games, Ryan Hartman, who was a regular center with um, Zuccarello and Kaprizov, has been moved down to a second or third line winger due to the fact he's 
taken some pretty bad penalties and just hasn't really played that well so far. If you are a Iowa Wild fan and watching the club for the last few years or so here, you get to see a lot of these guys are have moved up and are with a big club. You talked about Marco Rossi there, Matt Boldy off to a very fast start, Connor Dewar up here, Brandon Duhame, Kalen Addison playing uh, play with them. Mason Shaw is out there on the Minnesota Wild uh, website as a podcast interview that they have him out there. So you're, you're getting to see some of these guys working their way up through the system and making their way with the big club. And I think that's a tribute to the fact of they're developing players at the lower levels and getting them on the big club these days. Tonight, the fourth line for the Wild is Mason Shaw, Brandon Duhame, and Connor Dewar, all guys that two years ago were regulars with the Iowa Wild. And like you said, you had Kalen Addison on the blue line. So I think it is a testament to the fact that these guys are developing in Iowa and they're making it up to the big club and being a part of what they're trying to get done at the NHL level. The team drops both of their opening contests. You were at one of those games uh, th- this past week. They lose 7-3 to to the Rangers on Thursday, then lose 7-6 to Los Angeles on Saturday. Both of those games were at home. Kevin, this, this was a club last year that was absolutely dominating in their own home arena, but it took them a little while to get to that point. If I remember correctly, they were about, about a month into the season. They were not dominating at home and then sort of took off from there. So just kind of the early season shaking off here, just trying to work this thing out, or do you have any kind of real concern at this point? I don't think you can. I, you know, I've talked on this show and others. If you got a two-game losing streak in the middle of the year, you don't even worry about it. But when it's at the beginning of the year, it just seems to have everybody's attention. And I think it was um, it's a tough stretch. Um, L.A. was definitely a winnable game on Saturday night, but a lot, a lot of people are saying the New York Rangers are the early favorite to win the Eastern Division, and then the, the third game of the year, you got the defending Stanley Cup champions coming to town. So, you know, the schedule makers didn't really do the Wild a lot of favors when, when it came to who was coming to St. Paul to begin the season. Well, let's jump down to the AHL level. The Iowa Wild began their season on a Friday evening. San, San Jose Barracuda came to town, San Jose Sharks AHL team. It looked like the Barracuda were going to blow out Iowa early on on Friday night, Kevin. It did, and after seeing um, the spanking that the Rangers put on the big club, I just thought, oh, no, not again. But they got down 3 nothing, but they plugged their way, um, didn't give up, and pretty much it dominated the last half of the game, I thought. And finally got the game tying goal with like five minutes left from Sammy Walker. Wind up losing that contest in a shot and a, a shootout following the game. So they dropped to O and one early on in the season. Big crowd, as we talked about, uh, uh, a tribute to the fact that they're getting people in there. I, I, you and I talked about this on another show um, about, that there's a lot of other things that people could be doing in Iowa on Friday, but they came out here over 8,400 people for this game. I think that's a real tribute to what this club did to attract fans for an opening night game. When you look at it, when we left the game and we turned the radio on, all you could find on the AM dial was high school football. 
so I think that says a lot about what the the um, sports focus is for for um, Iowa on a Friday night right now. So when you got that many fans into your arena to watch a hockey game, I thought that's a definite testament to the team and the organization. When you lose a game like that, great comeback. Crowd really got into it, excited to see their team at least come away with a point out of that. I thought that that would carry into Saturday night. It just didn't, Kevin. The same, basically, fall behind two nothing like they did in, in a, on Friday night. San Jose did not give up the lead in this contest. Dominated from pretty much from start to finish in it. Uh, you know, overall, you, you you come away with a loss and, and a, a shootout loss, so you're, you're at least one point out of it. But I, clearly, a team that missed a playoff last year, you wanted a better performance, and they just didn't get it this weekend. I think. I think you're looking at a San Jose club that's going to be pretty dang good too, because I recognize a lot of names on their roster from playing with the Sharks in the last couple of years. So, and it's been a tough time with San Jose Sharks organization. They've struggled a bit, and which has necessitated some of these guys moving up and playing some games with the parent club. But then they. They um, get that organization with the big club, come back down to the minors, and um, end up having some success. So don't be surprised if you see the Barracuda in the mix in the West Division of the American Hockey League. Very possible. They went through a huge shakeup, uh, team president, GM, and coaching staff. A lot of lot of changes going on there to change the direction of that team. And so could be an entirely different club than what we've seen over the last few years, several years, I guess I really should say. Sammy Walker uh, scores his first professional goal on Friday night, Kevin, so congratulations to him. Uh, you know, look like, you know, he, he could be a, a nice addition to this team. I wasn't sure how, how he was going to do because he was highly heralded coming out of Edina High School and played four years at the University of Minnesota when they were expecting all-American-type numbers out of him, and he was good. But he just never seemed to get to that next level, and that was probably the reason that Tampa Bay chose not to offer him a professional contract, which made him a free agent. And late in the summer, Minnesota decided to sign him to a minor league deal. But you hope that maybe he finds something then can be a guy that could um, end up getting a look in the NHL at some point. We talked about the tough goaltending performances for the Minnesota Wild uh, this last weekend. Jesper Wallstead gave up three goals on 25 shots on Friday. Zane McIntyre gave up three goals on 19 shots on Saturday. Any concern you have out of that group early on here? I don't think so. I thought it was a tough um, situation for Wallstead to come in your first professional game, professional regular season game, and you're, you're playing in your home rink in a season opener. So I thought he was a little shaky to start the game, but the last two periods I thought he played very well and um, helped Iowa stay in the game long enough for them to come back to tie it. So we'll see um, how he does as the season progresses. Hey, right, Ken, and, I, I thought he... I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to allude to McIntyre on Saturday. You know, uh, hard to say how much action he got in the preseason. I don't think he played a ton when he was up with Minnesota, and then he only had the 
two preseason games for Iowa, so he may have been just shaking off some rust. Yeah, but Volstead, I, I agree with you too, Kevin. I, I think you're looking at a guy just making his first start out here, you know, kind of trying to get what, what it's like to be playing professional hockey here in the AHL. And so, you know, I don't think you're disappointed in his performance. It was shaky early on, but really stepped up his game as that contest went along and had um, a couple of huge saves during the third period to keep them from, uh, keep it so they were able to get back in that contest. And then after the season that Zane McIntyre had last year, I, you know, you got to give him a couple of, uh, you know, hey, don't worry about it kind of thing early on here because once he came to the club, he was fantastic. So I, I think it's just, as you said, shaking off some cobwebs right now. And um, I think both of them are going to be all right for this club. Coach uh, Tim Army does a great job building defensively around his goaltenders. And so I, I think that both of them should have a fine season for this team. Well, let's jump down here now to the – oh, wait a minute. Before we do that here, let's quickly talk about what lay ahead here for the Iowa Wild this week. So the Texas Stars, uh, they're going to wind up finishing off on Friday and Saturday this foreign-game homestand that they have uh, to begin the season out there. Texas, obviously, is a team that last year uh, Iowa had a pretty commanding – what seemed like a commanding lead late in the season – uh, to make that final playoff spot, Texas battled back to wind up taking it from them, including winning some great head-to-head contests against Iowa. Um, this is a team that if you're the the Wild, you got to say, hey, look, we got to set the tone right off the bat. And I think these are huge contests against Texas, even early on in the year. It seems like it's becoming a pretty good rivalry with uh, Texas and Iowa. Yeah, I think you're right. And, and I, I – there's enough guys on this team that remember what happened last year, and I'm wondering if there's a chip on their shoulders coming in this, like, look, we need to stomp these guys out. You know, guys like Cramarosa and, and McIntyre and Ottenbright and uh, a few others out there where, you know, they saw this club go down, and, I, and I'm wondering if they come in here going, hey, we're, we're going we're gonna to put these guys in their place right off the bat. From Texas standpoint, they, they know they can – they got why was numbered. You know, I mean, I, I feel like they come in here going, hey, we, we can beat this club. We proved last year, and, and this is, a, a, as you pointed out, a fairly young club. I, I, if they get up early on this team, I, I think that's going to be the challenge for the Iowa Wild this year, Kevin, kind of looking across them, is that how do they handle the adversity? H- how does this team handle when they're behind in games? They've been behind 2 nothing at the end of the first period in both of their contests so far this season. If this becomes a pattern for them, like last year, we saw they gave up the late goal, it seemed like, every, every contest for a while. Um, if they're going to be behind in games constantly, you wonder how a young club deals with that kind of situation. It's gonna, it could be a challenge for Tim Army to get these guys ready to go just from the drop of the puck in. Avoid those situations where you're constantly chasing the game because, as we saw with the big club on Saturday, that's all they... We're having to do the whole game with some chase a game, and then they finally tied it and gave up the lead right, gave up the tie right away. So it's just not a good way to go about things. So, you know, in hockey, it's just always so important to get that first goal, especially when you're playing at home, and then you get the crowd going and you make it a tough environment for the road team to play in. Dropping down now to the ECHL. Iowa Heartlanders come off a very successful first season. A lot of crazy kind of things going on because of COVID and, and guys moving up and having to get some guys out of the ECHL. 
This is going to be a different club this year, Kevin. You have a head coach decides to head for Europe, your top player head for Europe. Uh, so we're going to see uh, some guys coming in here to, you know, try to kind of define their own role this season. And I think starting off with Chris Bennett being gone now and taking his 40 goals and heading across the pond there, uh, I, I think that the, the biggest pressure early on falls on Jake Smith and Zach White, who had great seasons, um, Smith with 25 goals in, 20, in 57 games, White with 18 goals in 52 contests. You don't have Chris Bennett on your lines now, and these guys got to prove that they can continue to still deliver goals. It feels like they almost are starting all over again when you think about it. You know you got a new coach and a lot of new players, and it's going to be, I think, a challenge once again to establish an identity as you're moving along in the season. But there's not a lot of guys that are back from last year. I think the most um, familiarity we're going to see is between the pipes with um, Hunter Jones and Help me out with the with the other goal. Um, Corbin Kaspersky. Corbin Kaspersky. Thank you. Uh, so there's some there'll be a little familiarity there, but I think from going out on the blue line, Reese Molik is back for another season. But after that, it's going to be a team that's going to once again be searching for an identity and trying to establish the Heartlanders as a force to be reckoned with in the UCHL. Well, let's talk about that goaltending. We've talked about it at each of the other levels, so let's, let's focus on right here. Hunter Jones had a very tough start to his uh, first season with the Iowa Wild, then really was the guy. I mean, they, the Coach Tim Army stuck with him, and he wound up being very solid for that team down the stretch. Got off to a tough start last year for the Iowa Heartlanders, moved up to the Iowa Wild, but never really seemed to be the guy at either level. Did come back down to the to the Heartlanders to play a little more extensively for the team, but 4.04 goals against average. Still a young guy, Kevin, uh, 22 years old, just turned 22 in September. Uh, still a very young guy out there, but, you know, you, you've talked about the team is, it has some, some solid goaltending prospects, and you got to wonder what, you know, how long do you give Jones a chance here? I mean, if he gets off to a tough start, what, what do you think the organization does with that? You know, we talk about um, talk about being young, but you know, Volstead was just—he's only like nineteen, maybe twenty—and they're talking like in two years that he'll be the starting goalie for Minnesota. So it's young can get old pretty quick, and I think this is going to really be a, a do or die sort of season for Hunter Jones when it comes to his spot within the Minnesota Wild organization. I think he. He's going to have to have a big season this year to make the parent club take notice. If all said, will be 20 on November 14th. <laughs> That's just amazing right there. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. Jones has the skills, Kevin. We got to see it a couple years ago. Uh, so the question I guess we kind of look at is, is that is he able to make adjustments now? Because whatever he was doing, teams adjusted to that and were able to find out how to penetrate through his game and be a little more productive against him. And so now I guess we're going to learn what's got going on between his his two ears out there and see if he's able to make some changes that are able to get him to back to the AHL level and eventually get in that mix to get to the NHL. Because right now, you know, I'm thinking he's he's maybe like the third option if, they, if the, the big club needed a goaltender right now. 
And if he was playing well, if he, you know, was the way the big club is had its early struggles in the net, you know, he could. You're right, he could be in the mix, but it's it's totally up to him at this point. I, as I was watching Volstead play on Friday night, I was reminded of when um, in 2021, or yeah, yeah, early 2021, when Jones was um, thrust in as a opening night starter and. Uh, it didn't go so good. He ended up uh, giving up seven goals, and I think his confidence took a beating there. And and I just I just don't I see flashes from him, but I'm just waiting for a consistent stretch of really good hockey from him. The interesting dynamic to this, Kevin, is Corbin Kaspersky looked fantastic for this club once he was signed. Just did a phenomenal job for them. Finished with a 2.60 goals against average. He clearly proved that he deserves a shot with this team to get, uh, to even be the number one guy. Uh, you know, I'm not exactly sure what will be the situation for this. Last year it looked like they were rotating between goaltenders. Uh, Jones started out early on being the guy for the majority of games, and then they were going back and forth. I wonder if Kaspersky is going to get a chance to get 45, even 50% of the games as well. And then does that stunt Jones' growth? It'd be interesting to see what the organization does with this. I think uh, you'll still see Jones getting quite a fair share of games because let's not forget he was a second-round pick and they're just not going to give up on him and let a free agent start playing the majority of the games. Well, let's look at the defensemen. You talked a little bit about this. Two guys returned from last year's team. That's Reese Mullick and Ryan Wheeler. Uh, Wheeler played 12 games with the Wild uh, after coming out of the University of, excuse me, with the Heartlanders after coming out of the University of Connecticut. Uh, Ryan Mullick was with, spent 10 games up with the Iowa Wild, 45 with the Heartlanders. Then you have uh, Carter Shinkerock, I believe is the way that said, who even played 21 games with the Heartlanders as well last year after coming out of the SPHL. Not a lot of experience with each other. Uh, how long do you think it takes for this group to really start to gel, and how long can they afford for them to take before they start to gel? They definitely can't get off to the kind of start they did last year because it just seemed like after the first month on, it was just an uphill battle for this team to get points and to get back in the playoff chase once again. They almost got there, got on a hot streak, but then struggled again and fell out of contention. But early on, I think it's um, important for them to get some wins, and I think fans notice that too, and uh, that's going to be another issue is with the Heartlanders as drawing fans, and it's going to be important for them to get some wins at home and get some more crowd support as the year goes on. The fun guy I want to see this season, uh, last year, Yuki Mira finished with 10 goals and 12 assists in 41 games. Was out for about a month with an injury, uh, came back and had a couple of big goals for them late. Uh, kid looks phenomenal, and I, and I really like this young man. Uh, coming out of Tokyo, Japan, I, I think he's going to be an exciting addition to this club and hopefully will be healthy all year. Um, I, I, I'm waiting to see what he can wind up doing because I, I think this should be a, a fun time for him. This could be a breakout season. I'm not expecting him to be playing in the NHL next year or the year after that or something, but I think this could be a season where he comes away with uh, 
you know, an 18-20 goal season for this team, and, uh, you know, they need some goal scoring from somewhere. So um, uh, it should be fun to see what he does this year, Kevin. And he's become a crowd favorite, too, so it's uh, it's been fun to watch uh, his game um, elevate going from USHL to college and now on to the pro ranks. So that's our clubs for this year. Uh, early on, um, the Heartlanders begin their season starting on Friday evening. I'm going to pull up their schedule here right now, which I should have already had up, but I don't. So here we go now. So they begin Friday night with the Idaho Steelheads coming to town. The Steelheads coming Friday and Saturday. Idaho has a very good club. Um, they uh, were battling for the top uh, record in the Mountain Division last year before falling to Utah. Um, had a disappointing playoff run, but this is a, a very talented club. They are well coached, so we're going to see some exciting action out there. Then we begin uh, division play, and last year the, this race against Kalamazoo, Cincinnati, Wheeling, and Indy that made for it's worth Fort Wayne. Excuse me, I should add them too. Uh, made for a very exciting um, season to say the least. And so, um, where do you kind of looking ahead right now, Kevin? Where, where do you see this club potentially finishing out this year? Uh, are, are they a playoff contender? It's so hard to tell. The, in this league, there's so much turnover, I think, with all the teams. And then you got affiliates switching constantly that it's, it's so hard right now to get a good read on it. But I think we'll know a lot more within the next month or so. But I see the Heartlanders in the mix for it. Like I said, it's um, a lot of unknowns right now. You know, who picks up the scoring slack for Bennett and how long does it take the team to come together? How's the goaltending going to be? But I don't see any reason why the Heartlanders can't compete for a playoff spot. Yeah, I think that they have a, a, a very good chance of, of making some noise th this year. And so, um, you know, but last year they were the surprise of the league and put themselves in a situation that was pretty exciting. You know, um, they, they were down, I think, for the last couple weeks of the season, they were looking like they were going to grab one of those four playoff spots but just could not hold it off there at the end. So they faced an Idaho team. I think I said that they, they wound up been, uh, making the playoffs. So my apologies. They just missed the playoffs on the last weekend of the season. And so this is a team that is that was their first time in club history I think, Kevin, 30 years, if I remember correctly, they had not made the playoffs. So, you know, there's going to be some anger down there when they, they, they want to get out the season off on the right foot. So we'll see how that comes out. So uh, before we head out here, though, I, I got to ask Kevin about this because his, naming of clubs is always one of Kevin's favorite pet peeves out there. So how are we feeling about the Savannah Ghost Pirates this year, Kevin? What is a ghost pirate? I I hope it is something that is involved with local lore. Otherwise, wow, it's just another money grab of a name. And yeah, it, it is just out of control. You know, I do want to say though, getting back on Iowa, that I hope it's a winning club this year. Obviously, you know, you, but. I'm hoping that whatever this club does, that more fans do get out the games and give this team a home ice advantage. And, and as the tickets start selling, that, uh, you know, the organization is doing good and, and that we'll see a 
solid franchise in Coralville, Iowa, for many years to come. Because let's face it, in the in this league, it's it's volatile. If you don't draw, there's a lot of mid-sized towns that would be more than happy to have your franchise. So I just think it's really important that fans get out to the games of Coralville this winter and enjoy a good product. We should mention that the club uh, made a big move at the top of the pecking order there by bringing in a new president with that very goal in mind. I brought up a guy who uh, run a, a, a store Kevin is quite familiar with out there, and uh, so he's used to trying to do things to attract customers, and we'll see if that winds up impacting the team. Yeah, we can only, we can only hope so. I'm hoping so as well. Well, I want to thank Kevin for joining me this week. Once again, Kevin and I will return to you uh, here throughout the season talking about what's going on throughout the Minnesota Wild system and discussing uh, transactions and things that are happening, and we'll have some guests on and really make this a fun year focusing on the entire organization out there uh, as we want to get as systematically wild as we possibly can. So I want to thank you for joining us this week. Kevin and I will be back next week, and we will see you then.